Welcome to the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. This ain't your grandma's podcast. Well, as your grandma always said, another day, another podcast. So here we are on the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast, brought to you, as always, by 5MinuteBibleStudy.com. I'm your host, Aaron Batty. And today, instead of telling you about some feature of the website to go check out, I want to bring your attention to an upcoming event at the church where I preach at. So if you're in the Lawrenceburg, Summertown area, uh, you listen to this podcast, then put down on your calendars July the 10th through the 17th. And that is going to be an event at, again, the Chapel Grove Church of Christ in Summertown. You can contact me for address and all that. And Aaron Studdard is a preacher, a friend of mine who's coming from Alabama. He lives in Piedmont, Alabama. And he's going to be preaching a series of sermons from, again, the 10th through the 17th, every evening, Sundays from 10 to 2. Um, So make plans to come. We call it a gospel meeting. It's an opportunity to hear the Word of God taught. We have some fellowship afterwards. We get to know each other. Um, We get to talk to each other about what was just um, taught from the Word of God. And it's always a beneficial event to come to. I always learn a lot. This is a shot in the arm spiritually every year, so I look forward to this each July. So make plans on that, put it on your calendar, just come on out. Now, for the feature presentation, um, prepping us for this episode, I'm not going to have a Bible story again. After I was going to on this episode, I said in episode 17 um, that that was going to prepare the way for what is coming up in just a second on legalism. The question or the title of this podcast episode is, is What is Legalism? So if you haven't heard episode 17, and I'm going to tell you again in the actual main dish to go back and listen to that, catch up to speed, and then listen to this episode. The main dish in this episode took 50 minutes to actually record. It took longer than I was expecting, and so because of that, I'm not going to include a Bible story once again. Dun, dun, dun. Sorry. I apologize about that. But anyways, it is what it is. Uh, we will have a commercial break that will lead us right into this little main dish segment in just a second. Uh, there won't be a foot and mouth syndrome, any of that. So just the main dish and then some wrapping comments and we'll be done. So without any further ado, oh, I did want to correct one thing in the main dish. This is the first episode where I'm going to play audio clip from like YouTube videos, um, other audio that's not my own, and then we're going to comment on them. When I do that in this episode, there's like two of those clips where I, I talk about John MacArthur, and I play clips from what I quote is John MacArthur, and in reality, I was told that it sounded like John Piper, and so I went back to do a little bit of investigation, and sure enough, it was John Piper. So just as a heads up, whenever I say, here's a clip from John MacArthur, it's actually John Piper both times. I do it on two separate occasions, so I did want to make that clear. I didn't want to misrepresent uh, something and ascribe it to the wrong person, which I did, but I'm correcting that. But, you know, what I say about John MacArthur and anything I, I do say positively or negatively, um, cross-apply it to John Mac- John Piper, except for the fact that I actually do listen to John MacArthur and I don't really ever listen to John Piper. Okay, I think that sets the record straight. Without further ado, let's pause for a commercial break from our sponsors, and then we'll get into the main dish. Are you needing to freshen up the living space with some new fumes? Well, why not sanctify things a little and go with fragrances from the Bible? The Sweet Smelling Aromas Candle Company has a wide variety to choose from. 
and there's sense for everybody. And maybe you consider yourself a little more old-fashioned. Uh, they have what's called the Manger Madness. Uh, that's, of course, your regular trifecta of frankincense, aloes, and myrrh. There is this new candle scent they just came out with called Incinerated. Uh, it's in the Nadab and Abihu collection. I, I tried that one, and it had a rather strange flame to it, so I don't know that I would recommend it, but to each their own. Uh, maybe you would like the Passover bundle. Just be aware that there is a limit of one per house, and you have to burn the whole candle in one night. That's the instructions. In fact, there was one customer who didn't follow the instructions, and it's turned into a full-blown DHS investigation. I mean, there's other candles, too. We don't have time to go through all the fragrances, but go check them out yourself at Sweet Smelling Aromas Candle Company at fakenews.com. Welcome back to yet another segment of The Main Dish. Okay, we're going to talk about what is legalism today. And if you haven't caught episode 17, then please do go back and watch that. If you just saw the word legalism and maybe this episode title and you're like, hey, I want to hear about that. I want to know what that is. Please go back and listen to episode 17. I did that one as kind of a part one or an introduction to this subject because when we start getting into the definitions of what is legalism, I think it's very helpful, at least if you know where I'm coming from in terms of what I believe about law, grace, faith, justification, works, and all of that, because we're going to interplay with those terms in this episode. You have to when talking about what is legalism. So uh, that will brush away any cobwebs as to what do I believe or what don't I believe. I, I feel like I'm pretty clear in that episode 17 on that subject. Well, if you have watched that and you're ready to go, let's get into it. I will give a, just a brief review about what we covered in episode 17. Uh, very brief. So we covered six main points. And the first thing we talked about was just establishing the biblical system of justification. Um, in that, we talked about what does Paul mean when he says we're not under law, but we're under grace? And are Christians under law at all? The second point that we fleshed out was that grace is a free gift, and we have to understand that, but it's not free in every respect. Uh, third, faith is often better understood and expressed or even translated as faithfulness. That's a key uh, difference that a lot of people don't make, but it is a proper definition of faith, and a lot of times it is best expressed that way in the book of Romans and James and other places. Uh, fourth, we talked about what is declared righteousness and how God's justification of sinners like me and you is declared uh, justification based off of the finished work of Christ. Uh, we also talked about the idea of self-righteousness, and I, I only gave a preview of it there because that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about legalism is the idea of self-righteousness. And then finally, I kind of gave a, a summary review that when we're talking about justification by grace through faithfulness, that does not negate sorry, the necessity of keeping laws, understanding from point one, we're under the law of faith. And so when we, when we keep God's law, it's with the understanding that we're doing that, trusting in His system that He has put in place and in His grace, that the works themselves are not saving us, but we are simply doing this as a condition, trusting in Him, uh, to, to impart grace and justification to us. Okay, so that's the uh, summary of it all, and now we're ready to get into exactly what is legalism. Now, I kind of did a test run through this because it, it's a little convoluted. That's the whole reason I wanted to do this episode was because this is a very convoluted word that you hear people use the phrase a lot. I mean, I hear it a lot. I feel like 
I read a lot and I see this word used at least once in probably 75% of the books that I read. And they use this term a lot. And sometimes they're using the term in the same way. You can just tell from the context. And then sometimes they're not. Uh, on YouTube videos, if you listen to too many bloggers on YouTube or Christian thinkers, scholars or not scholars, you'll hear people use this a lot. The further away this um, word gets from the pulpit, um, in the, in just common people's vernacular, they'll use it in a variety of different ways. So what we're going to do in this episode is I'm going to give you several different definitions for what people give as the meaning of legalism. There's actually four different general categories. We'll introduce those four and then get into some sources and cite their definitions. And uh, then after that, I have never really played audio clips from other videos and so forth, but I want to use audio clips that I pulled off of YouTube, and I will cite them below in the bio of this episode. But I wanted to use those episode clips so that you could hear for yourself from the horse's mouth how people use this word, and after we've introduced different definitions, you'll be able to align what they said with the general categories that we set forth. So hopefully you'll understand that some people are using this term in not the uh, most, let's just say, original way, not in, the, in what I would call a correct way. They're using it in a, in a way that the word has evolved meaning to take on. Uh, but you'll, you know, you'll, you'll see that distinction, so I won't get any more into that at this point. Now, before we get really uh, into the definitions themselves, there is a clip by John MacArthur. Maybe you know who that is. And uh, every once in a while, John MacArthur is a Reformed Calvinist, a Protestant background. And a lot of times I don't agree with John MacArthur, and a lot of times I do agree with him. It just depends on the subject. When it comes to the, the point on legalism, I looked up on YouTube, what is legalism? John MacArthur. I wanted to see what him and some other Reformed guys said. Um, it took me a second to listen to what he was saying, but after what he was saying, he had some really good thoughts. I thought that helped clarify the whole discussion. So just some introductory thoughts to this whole subject. Listen to this clip from MacArthur. What is legalism? The thing that makes this tricky is that there is no Hebrew word in the Old Testament, no Greek word in the New Testament for legalism. So whenever anyone uses the word, you have to do two things. You have to find out what they mean by it, and then you have to find out if their meaning corresponds to something in the Bible, or are they making use of the Bible in a way that's inappropriate? And that makes it a little trickier. When, a, when the Bible uses a word, like love, say you can go to a given text and say, what does love mean there? But the Bible doesn't have any word for legalism, so we can't go to any particular place and say, there it is, right there. So I'll tell you what I would mean by using it and what in the Bible I think would warrant that kind of use, and then you can decide whether you think it should be used that way or not, but mainly check out the way people use it and measure it by things in the Bible to see if this is so. Um, legalism is the conviction that law-keeping is now, after the fall, the ground of our acceptance with God. 
So in that clip there, I think he is spot on. You really have to ask people, what do they mean? Because like I said before, people use a range of different meanings. And it's the same principle, that principle that he just said, find out what they mean. It's the same principle for really any doctrine or any faith. If you, for example, find out that somebody you're talking to is a Catholic, you can't just assume that they subscribe to all Catholic doctrines. They may not even know really what the uh, Catholic doctrines are. Um, by the catechism, but they might have their own personal rendition of it. So figure out what they mean and what they believe. You might come to a member of the Church of Christ and they're not all the same. And uh, they might not hold classic doctrines of the Church of Christ. And so you have to know, know what type of Church of Christ member are you. Same for Baptists and so forth. When it comes to the word legalism, what do you mean by that? What definition are you using? And I feel like a lot of times if you were to ask somebody that, they would just stop in their tracks and they really wouldn't know what to say because it's become a buzzword. And if you just don't like what somebody's saying and it just seems to be a little bit too harsh for you, then just use the word legalism and you've pretty much canceled them. It's kind of like a word from cancel culture. Legalist. Just put it on somebody and that that's enough, right? You don't have to explain what you mean by that. Well, it's created a lot of confusion so that, again, what do you mean by this? So I really appreciate his little hermeneutic there. And then the definition that he gives is spot on, and we'll agree with that with the definitions that we get into right now. So there are four types of legalism, at least the way that the word is used. And I don't I want to try to keep these four categories at the front of our minds so that when we then go through some of these definitions, you'll be able to hear it, and I'll be able to say this is type one legalism. And when I say that this is type one legalism, I'm talking about the first category that I'm about to give you, okay? And that will just alert you to go back to what that first category was, and, and you'll know, oh, okay, we're talking about legalism as if it means just strictness. Um, or another one might give a definition, but in that definition, they're really kind of combining two of the uh, broader categories of, of definition. So I'll say this is type two and type three. So I, I guess I've come up with this system to try to help you uh, stay on flow with me, and so we're all on the same page, and we're seeing how really how people so convolute this. Even uh, scholarly sources, they'll convolute by putting multiple definitions in their definition, and there's not a lot of clarity, and so thus this episode. Okay. Um, the first one that I have for you, let, let's go through the four categories. The first category that people usually mean by this word is strictness. And so if somebody in, is being overly strict in, in their estimation, they'll say you're a legalist. They just simply mean that you are binding the letter of the law more than I feel comfortable with. You're making me feel a little self-conscious. And Jesus did not have that spirit, according to this definition. Uh, Jesus was not overly strict. He showed grace. And so you need to stop being a legalist. And be more like Jesus. This is the idea. The idea of just simply being overly strict. That type of personality. The second category, so type 2 legalism as I will call it, is the belief that you have to do works whatsoever. And we addressed this in episode 17 about justification and how works play in, into that system and so forth. Some people hold to the fact that if you do any works whatsoever, then you're a legalist. Or if you think that you have to do works even as just a condition um, to grace, then you're a legalist. That's a pretty extreme position. Not all 
uh, Calvinists hold to that even, um, but many do. And then sometimes it's really hard to, to know what some Calvinists really do believe, because sometimes they'll say you don't have to do any works that would be legalistic. And then in the next breath, they're, they're saying things like, well, you do have to do something. It's really hard to tell sometimes what, what Calvinists believe, depending on who it is and, and how clear they're being. A third category is the idea of binding man-made laws. And so if you are basically like the Pharisees taking traditions of men that you've made and putting them on par with the Word of God and actual laws of God, then you're being a legalist. Um, that concept, again, I just referenced the Pharisees, and many people will use the term pharisaical as synonymous with the term legalistic, and that's what they mean, at least sometimes. They're referring to the idea that the Pharisees would make their own laws and start binding those laws, and you can't do that. Um, and so that's the type three meaning of legalism. Type four legalism would be what I agree with is the most proper definition. And like MacArthur said, this word's not in the Bible, but this concept right here, this concept is in the Bible. The word legalist isn't used to describe it in the Greek, but this concept is there. And that is the idea of depending on law-keeping for your justification. Whether you're depending on perfect law-keeping and you think that you're perfectly able to keep the law, or you've created some system where if you keep certain laws good enough, then you're depending on that to save you. And you think that keeping these certain laws good enough will justify you. So uh, law-depending or depending on the law to, to justify you, that is the most proper definition and seems to be the original meaning of the word and its trueness uh, when we block out all the other clutter, okay? So I'm telling you right offhand, I agree with that fourth definition. And I also agree that binding man-made laws and rules, type 3 legalism, that's wrong. Um, nonetheless, I, I would distinguish that from what is truly legalism. I would just call that binding man-made rules, I guess. That's what I would call it. I don't, I don't know. Um, if somebody wanted to combine that with the fourth type, then I guess I'd be okay with it. Um, the, the second type, the idea that you have to do works whatsoever, that's being legalistic. I completely disagree with that. Uh, works, are a, works of faith are a condition to uh, justification. Uh, Paul makes that very, James makes that very clear, and Paul does as well. And then I don't agree that legalism is just strictness. That is categorically not true when we look at the very words of Jesus. And if it is that, then Jesus himself was a legalist. And so if you're using that phrase to describe Jesus, I guess call him a legalist. But if you mean by that that he was a sinner, or that that's a bad thing in that sense, then you're going to be sadly mistaken. And we'll prove that with Scripture after we go through these definitions in audio clips. Okay, so we will come back to that. But let's get right into it. The first resource um, that I want to look at, or the first source, is the Oxford English Dictionary. You can find this online very easily, and it says about legalism, legalism is excessive adherence to law or formula. So which type of the four types does that remind you of? It should recall to memory the first type, the idea of excessive strictness. And um, in a theological context, they'll go on to say, that the theological legalism is dependence on moral law rather than on personal religious faith. Now, I agree with that. That's type 4 legalism, what they said. So they actually combined two different definitions. And so in a general sense, they're saying it's just simply being super strict. 
And then in a theological sense, they're saying it just simply means to depend on law for justification. I can agree with one of those. But you see right here from the very get-go how people will blend these definitions so that you don't really—you have to be really um, precise about what are they saying and, and what definition are they using. Another dictionary—not a dictionary, an encyclopedia that I looked up, the Encyclopedia of Christianity in the United States said this about legalism. It is a pejorative descriptor for the direct or indirect attachment of behaviors, disciplines, and practices to belief. So attaching these things to belief in order to achieve salvation and right standing before God. They also go on to say that this stands in opposition to the doctrine of justification by faith. And so that— uh, bleeds of type 2 legalism, the idea that if you believe you have to do any behavior whatsoever, any disciplines, any practices, any works, that you're a legalist. I don't subscribe to that. I don't. Not everybody means this when they use this term, although a lot of people do. Nonetheless, I'm just giving you some different definitions from different sources. That's what they say. Going on in the same, uh, Benjamin Espinoza, I think it's the same source, says, additionally, so they change gears here a little bit, and they start describing legalism as if it's just strictness. Again, type 1. They say, additionally, legalism pejoratively refers to the view held by some fundamentalist Christians that Christians should not engage in social practices perceived as contrary to Christian witness, such as, and they get very specific, gambling, dancing, consuming alcohol, enjoying secular entertainment, or wearing immodest clothing. And uh, so that's a another way of saying being super strict on certain doctrines, or any doctrines, uh, and, and that's their example. So... Again, they kind of blend multiple definitions in their explanation. Uh, a different resource, Matthew Bates in his book, Gospel Allegiance, a book that I've read a couple of times and I really like it. Um, not everything in the book do I agree with, but anyways, he does give a proper definition of legalism, and he describes it as the fourth category, type four legalism. He says, legalism is the error of thinking one can earn salvation by remaining sufficiently obedient to God's law or to some moral standard. And I think that is a... A very good definition. I subscribe to that. Matthew Bates and I do not share the same uh, religious background, um, and we would disagree on many things, but we can't agree on that at least. Uh, Michael Kruger, in his website, uh, I think it's called canonfodder.com, and I've, I like Michael Kruger on um, explanations of the canon and how we got the Bible. He's very good on that subject. He gives three types of legalism. He breaks it down into three categories. And within this, you can see three different blends of the categories we opened up with. He starts off talking about what he calls salvation legalism. And this would uh, align with the fourth category that we talked about. Um, legalism, according to salvation legalism, is when we base our justification on our own law-keeping rather than on the finished work of Christ. Type 4 is what he's saying, and we can agree with that. The second type he describes is rules legalism. When we believe... Uh, or when believers are told that they must follow man-made rules rather than um, or alongside of God's rules. That's describing that third category where, you know, it, it speaks for itself. So that's type three uh, definition. And then the third one that he gives, the third category, it's kind of hard to tell, but when you break it down, I think he's describing legalism as strictness. He calls it tone legalism, and he says, This plainly affirms salvation by grace and plainly rejects man-made laws. On paper, it's orthodox. And yet, the resulting ministries are marked by a heavy-handed, 
crushing, and even oppressive focus on law-keeping. People in such churches often feel watched, criticized, picked apart, and even fearful of stepping out of line. Now, it sounds a lot like he's saying if, if you're overly strict, then you will come across as heavy-handed, crushing, and even oppressive and focusing on law-keeping. It's hard to tell if he's describing that first category, type 1 legalism, or if he's talking about type 2 legalism in this, or if he's talking about both together. Um, I'll let you decide on that. But it sounds like type 1. Uh, another one that is just this, so we've talked about from so far, we've given definitions from pretty credible sources. Um, what I would say are a little bit more scholarly. Then I went online and I just looked up a blogger and I found this blogger on, I think it's Christianity.com is where I got this from. And her name is Kimmy Harris. I don't know Kimmy Harris from Adam. I don't know what she looks like. Um, I don't know what her religious background is, but in her definition of legalism, she's all over the place. And this is like most people, they're all over the place. And they just use this phrase as a buzzword, and her very definition reinforces the fact that this word is often used as a buzzword as just to label people and cancel people. Um, she says, legalist. A legalist believes that their good works and obedience to God affects their salvation. That's type two. She then goes on to say in the next sentence, Legalism focuses on God's laws more than relationship with God. It keeps external laws without a truly submitted heart. Now this right here, that statement is a very common way of describing legalism. Talking about obeying, uh, loving God with your heart and, and kind of putting that as an antithesis to keeping external laws. I really don't know what people mean when they say that. I mean, I know what they, they're saying is you have to submit to God with your heart. I agree with that. But as far as how, they, um, how they're attaching that to legalism, I'm not really sure. So it, it sounds to me like they're saying if you're depending on the law in and of itself, then you're a legalist. Again, I agree with that. And so, as we said in episode 17, the difference between works of merit and works of faith is your attitude. You can do the same thing. Two different people can do the same thing, but have two different attitudes. And one person is thinking they're depending on their works to this work to save them. The other one is depending on God to save them, this only being a condition that God has placed upon them. And so it sounds like when people say um, it keeps external laws without a truly submitted heart, they're trying to express the type four category of legalism that we introduced, the one... And I said as a, a proper definition. I guess that's what they're getting at. And then she goes on the next sentence to say, and legalism adds human rules to divine laws and treats them as divine. Again, that's that type three category. And I, again, I said, I agree with that you can't buy man-made rules, but I would separate that at least for clarity's sake from that fourth category. We have some other definitions here, but I think that that gets the point of cross. It just shows you how people use the phrase differently, and a lot of people simply use it as a buzzword. And that part gets annoying. That part gets really annoying when people just use it as a way to label somebody and cancel them, and um, the word just gets overused and then loses all meaning and significance. What I want to do now is I want to show you some of these audio clips. I want you to listen to them so that you can hear from the horse's mouth that what I just told you and these different sources, you can hear it in actual speech that people use on, in this case, YouTube videos. And so I have several YouTube videos here, and we're going to play them. 
we'll listen together and then we'll comment on them after they're done. The first one that I'm going to play is Wes McAdams. Wes McAdams runs a website called radicallychristian.com. I believe he is a Church of Christ preacher. He interviews a couple, a married couple who was divorced and remarried on the question, what does Matthew 19 verse 9 mean? Marriage and divorce. That's the name of the video if you want to look it up. And again, I'm going to put the links for these videos at, in the bio of this episode. Um, so in this, the man that he's interviewing, the guy that's talking really is um, not Wes McAdams, but he's the one being interviewed. And he basically subscribes to the idea that strictness is the same thing as legalism. And he doesn't, in this clip, use the word legalism. He doesn't use, in this clip, the phrase self-righteous. He will in, in other parts of the video, if you want to watch the whole video. Um, but he does talk about uh, excessive strictness when interpreting Matthew 19, verse 9, and it kind of gives away the fact of what he believes really about um, this idea, this first category, legalism is strictness. So I, I let you listen to this, and you can decide for yourself. But on the other hand, I, I think that this text has been used to push back against divorce in, in a um, in a legalistic sense as well. Uh, you know, someone does divorce, and we meet up with them 20 years later, and they've been raising kids in, in, in a, a house for, you know, 15 years of a second marriage. But we use this text to say, well, I'm so sorry, but you didn't do it right. You've got to get a divorce now. And, and why? Well, you know, there's some little nitpicky aspects of the text that we can walk through. Okay, so I was mistaken. He actually did use the phrase legalistic. I thought he didn't. But um, when you take that phrase, he says people interpret this legalistically. And then at the end of it, he says, and, the, and they'll go on to say there's some nitpicky aspects of the text. What he's saying there is they'll be overly strict in their interpretation of this text, which means the text says um, what it says, and to take it at its uh, fullest meaning and to the furthest extent of what it's saying, then that's being just a little bit harsh. That's being too strict. That's being heavy-handed. And people uh, can cause damage by being legalistic like this. That's what, he, that's what he's saying. Listen on in this uh, other segment from the same interview. The same man's talking. Uh, continue to listen. You know, Matthew 5, 20, when he's in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you won't enter the, the kingdom of heaven. And, and the point there is that these guys, like you said, were patting themselves on the back, thinking that they were doing the big thing by just being so in tune with the letter of the law. And Jesus is saying they're actually taking the easy road. Uh, like like they, they are making, instead of having their heart affected, they would rather, you know, tick off all the boxes of the letter of the law. So again, he talks about the Pharisees keeping the letter of the law, and he actually misrepresents the Pharisees there. If you go and read Matthew 23, a lot of people act like the Pharisees' problem was that they were keeping the letter of the law. The very fact is that they were keeping some of the letters of the law, and they were leaving out entire other portions. That's why he says, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you've strained the gnat, but you've swallowed the camel. Um, both of those were unclean animals. Um, gnats were unclean animals. Um, they were straining those little specks and those particular nuances of the law, but the larger portions of the law, they were not keeping to the letter. So it's not that they were keeping the letter of the law. 
They were keeping the letters of the law that they wanted to. And then on top of that, they were elevating man-made traditions on par with the law. So he, I believe, misrepresents Pharisees, as many people do, in the idea that they, their only problem was that they were super strict. No, that's that was not the Pharisees' problem. The, their problem was that they were choosy about what they wanted to follow and and elevate man-made traditions. But anyways, you can you can tell when he uses that phrase, the letter of the law, he's describing legalism again in, in his definition of being just overly strict. And and then he makes that statement about they had a heart problem. And that reminds me of that blogger, Kimmy Harris, and how they talk about, you know, you've got to love, you got to serve God with your heart. And that's true. Um, but it's hard to it's hard to know what they mean by that in the whole framework of a discussion on legalism. But maybe I'm just stupid, and that's very possible. I think a lot of this gets so confusing sometimes that I get a little bit lost myself. So, so let's go on to the next video that I have for you. And this one I just found a video uh, that was called "How Legalistic Christians Misread the Bible." I don't really know who this guy is. I couldn't find his name. He's obviously a pastor at some church that he calls Spring Hill Church, I believe it is. And uh, he subscribes to the second definition, the idea that if you believe that works are involved in salvation whatsoever, then you're a legalist. Uh, Spring Valley uh, is a church that believes in following the Bible, and so we believe that we should live holy lives before God. But there can be some confusion of what it means to live a holy life. And I realize that some people were raised in very strict Christian environments that we would call legalism, where it was all about rules. Um, maybe I misrepresented that a little bit. He actually seems to subscribe more to the strictness definition. And he says, initially, at this church we are about following the Bible, but they're not about following the Bible strictly or uh, super closely, just generally. It seems like that's what he's saying. Uh, you can watch the whole video if you wanted, um, but it seems to be a description of that first category of just legalism is strictness, and that's bad. We don't want to be strict. We don't want to be observing the Bible too closely, just close enough so that people um, can stay at a comfortable pace, I guess. Okay, the next video is by John MacArthur. Um, MacArthur here gives a great, great breakdown on what he calls the new legalism. And in this video, he shows the self-contradicting nature of how people use the phrase legalism to mean strictness and um, and, and how that, that explanation of it is in itself legalistic. If that doesn't make sense, just listen to the clip, and this is just gold. You have to listen to yourself. I wonder if it strikes you as strange like it does me that very few Christians in the American Evangelical Church pray like this. Statedly, disciplined, three times a day. Does it strike you as strange that nobody prays that way these days? And I think there are a lot of people who would say that's real good because it shows that we have discovered freedom from legalism. Now, I might believe that. I might believe that if I saw people who did not have Daniel's discipline as powerful in prayer as Daniel was. But I don't believe it. In fact, as I analyze the American Evangelical Church today, the creeping legalism that I see is not Daniel's disciplined prayer three times a day. 
I do not think spiritual discipline is the Trojan horse in which legalism is making its way into Troy, the church. No way, Jose. We are not in a thousand years in danger of becoming legalists through spiritual discipline in the American evangelical meet-my-need cushy Christianity. In fact, I think that the kind of legalism that is creeping in today is virtually the opposite of spiritual discipline. It has uh, two sides to its coin. On one side is fear. The fear of anything that comes close to sounding or looking like biblical discipline, expressed in sentences like, train yourself in godliness, strive to enter by the narrow gate, take up your cross daily, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, I pommel my body and subdue it. If your right eye offends you, gouge it out. Strive together with me in prayer. Anything that comes remotely close to sounding like such discipline is feared in the new legalism. For centuries, the disciplines of the Spirit have marked the great saints, and today they are feared. The other side of the coin of the new legalism is a demand for psychologically correct speech. Not politically correct speech. We all know what that is. Psychologically correct speech. If you don't use certain language to describe morality, ethics, duty, and the commandments of God that are psychologically correct, you are a defective people helper and do more harm than good. Taboo, a new list of taboos in the legalism that I'm talking about. And the new list of taboos is thou shalt not use must, thou shalt not use should, thou shalt not use ought, thou shalt not use warnings like those who do such things shall not enter the kingdom. This is the new legalism and the new list of taboos. You must not say must. They are simply not psychologically correct ways of talking about reality. I can't give that enough thumbs up. It's just so spot on. Thou shalt not use thou shalt not. Uh, you must not use the word must. He just hits it right on the head and he shows something about false doctrine, which before I say this and give MacArthur too much kudos, I do want to say this is he uses the phrase spiritual discipline as opposed to legalism. I think distinctly because MacArthur and other, I've read several of his books. I've listened to several of his sermons. Um, again, I, I, I like, I agree with him a lot of times and I disagree with him a lot of times as well. But he will talk about and he will sub subscribe to the second category of legalism that we introduced with the idea that if you believe that you have to do works whatsoever, that they're even a condition to the grace of God then you're a legalist. He'll say things like that in his sermon. So he talks out of both sides of his mouth here. And while I agree with everything that we've listened to from him today on, um, man, MacArthur, he's just so frustrating because it's like in one breath he'll say works have nothing to do with salvation. Um, they're not even a condition. And then the next breath he's saying things like this, like you have to exercise spiritual discipline. That is a work. I mean, you're not calling it a work, but spiritual discipline is doing something. That's a work. So Really frustrating <laughs> in one sense, but then again, it's so refreshing to hear somebody say this. 
and expose the false doctrine of this new legalism. I like the, the I like the name. I like the title there. Um, he says something here and that exposes false doctrine in general. And I believe it's true that if you analyze a doctrine, you hear it and you think that just doesn't sound right. Think about it long and hard and try to see if that doctrine contradicts itself. He shows here that this new legalism contradicts itself when people say, you must not use the word must. Well, you just had to use the word to tell me that I shouldn't use it. It's like the whole uh, relativist doctrine of no absolute truth. There is no absolute truth. Would you, is that an absolute truth? You, you see, it's all circular reasoning. It's all self-defeating claims. And if a doctrine is false, then it will contradict itself. That's the very nature of false doctrine. If a doctrine is true, it will not contradict itself because truth cannot contradict truth. And so that's just something to put in your back pocket in assessing whether something's true or not. And here we see when people start using the, um, the definition of strictness, you can't say must, they're defeating their own definition. And that just by logic alone rules that definition out. Um, and it, when they start saying that works have no condition to salvation, and then they start saying that you have to do works, that will, <laughs> then they're contradicting themselves. This doesn't make any sense. Um, so those first two categories of, of definition are, are wrong. The third category, again, binding man-made rules, is not wrong. I would just separate it from proper definitions of legalism. And then that fourth category is the one that, again, uh, I subscribe to, I put forth to you, is if you're going to use the phrase then use it correctly and call it a law depending. And if you're teaching that you depend on keeping the law perfectly or good enough to be justified and you think that's justifying you, then, yeah, that's legalism. Uh, I do want to play one more audio clip from this lady called Amber Head. She's a YouTuber, and she has released a video a while back called Why I Left the Church of Christ, a very viral video, it seems like. Uh, in there, she expresses why she left, and her answer is telling as to what people, uh, what drives them, and why they really don't like the idea of this definition of, the, that very idea of strictness, and and those that would say, you have to keep the commands of Jesus closely. Um, they don't like this definition because of, just listen to what she says here. My parents loved me. I have no doubt of that. Um, and God loved me. But I, it, was a, it was an intellectual understanding. It was never a deeply felt um, emotional experience for me. It was an intellectual understanding. We don't want to use our intellect. We don't want to give good reasons for why we believe what we believe. We want a deeply felt emotional experience. And if it's not a deeply felt emotional experience, uh, well, first of all, it's not going to be when you're telling me that I have to keep the commands of Jesus, and there's lots of commands of Jesus, that's not going to make me feel good. That's going to that's not gonna, that's gonna make me feel bad. Emotions are not bad. Don't misunderstand me. Feelings are not bad. They're a gift from God. That's what helps bring joy to our life, is the emotions of life many times. But feelings in and of themselves, as a foundation of determining truth, the reason that this is a faulty system is because emotions come and go. They come and go. 
And I promise you, if you come into contact with somebody at work, whatever, and they are super happy and they're always on an emotional high, like super exuberant, I promise you when the doors are closed and they're in their closet, they're depressed. I'm not saying all the time. I'm just saying as for many times that they are just on an emotional high, when they're not in public around other people, they get in emotional lows because you can't, that's just the endocrine system of hormones and you cannot be at an emotional high all the time. And if that's what you're depending on as your grounds for grading truth and what is, and truth being eternal, truth being constant, it doesn't come and go. It's there all the time. It, it, sometimes it feels good to agree with it. And sometimes it doesn't feel good to agree with it. But what you can know is that it's always going to be there. It's always going to be reality. It's truth. But emotions, you can't depend on them. Doesn't mean that just because something feels right means it's wrong. No, I'm not saying that. But it does mean that just because it feels right doesn't necessarily mean it is right. And so when people start grading their religion and grading a system of belief based off of, it just didn't give me a deeply emotional response. There's the flaw right there. You're not depending on the Word of God for determining whether this thing is true or not. Uh, now let's talk about, um, we've talked about the definitions. We've gone through audio clips for you to listen to and hear for yourself. I want to circle back around to now this idea that legalism is strictness. And I want to examine this from the Word of God and from logic. We've examined it a little bit to this point here and there, but I want to really spend some time on this because this is the main way that people seem to be using this phrase as a buzzword. If you're being strict then you're not like Jesus. Well, um, think about this first, a logical point. If legalism or if strictness, let's just not talk about, it's not legalism. Legalism is not strictness. So let's just talk about strictness under the name strictness, okay? So if uh, if strictness is evil and antithetical to Christian Christianity and the Spirit of Christ, then who decides when someone's being excessively strict or Maybe they're just being moderately strict, or maybe they're just being kind of strict. Like, who determines how strict is too strict and how much strictness is allowed? Because you'll, you'll hear people, and they claim to be—they label themselves as conservative. I don't use the terms conservative and liberal. I try not to because they're so relative to who you're talking to and talking uh, and, and what they think of you. But who determines—who's the standard setter on what's too strict— and, we, and the answer to that is, well, if it's in the Word of God, that, that's the standard. And let's just keep the Word of God. But then, but then if you keep the Word of God too strictly, or buy it too strictly, well, then you're being too strict. Well, but it's the Word of God, and it's truth. And if, and if we just keep it, then we'll know God is not too strict. He's the perfect amount of strictness. By His very nature, He sets the standard. So God's Word, all of it, is not too strict. It's not... Um, less strict than it should be. It's just the perfect amount of strictness. Does that make sense? I hope that you see where I'm going here. Let's look at a couple of passages, though, and we're just going to look at the words of Jesus to, to um, manifest that strictness in and of itself is not unscriptural. It's not antithetical to the Spirit of Jesus. It, it, it's in right and keeping with Jesus' commands. He demands strictness, in fact. Read with me Matthew chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. 
In Matthew chapter 5, verses 19 through 20, this is Jesus speaking about the law. He says, Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of God. How do you exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees? Again, the righteousness of the Pharisees is not the problem they were being too strict. It was the fact that they were being very choosy about what commands that they were going to follow. Straining the gnat, swallowing the camel at the same time. You have to keep all the commandments of Jesus, he says. Whoever breaks one of the least of these commands, and I believe what he means by that is not the very fact that you broke a command because you're going to do that. He even forgives many people for breaking a command. It's the fact that you break the command and you're unrepentant and you go on as if, oh, no big deal. I broke a command. It's just a small one. Or I broke a command. uh, We're under grace, not under law. (laughs) That seems to be what he's talking about. Uh, It's the spirit that he's calling for, the spirit of faithfulness in all things. And when you do sin, falling down in repentance to God and and trusting in His uh, gracious system of forgiveness when you ask for it. Another passage that we'll read is in Matthew chapter 5. Just go down a few verses and verse 29. He says this, If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. That's an extreme, radical approach. Jesus, do you hear what you're saying? That's like, I don't know how you could call this anything but being overly strict. Being a little legalistic, Jesus. You're telling me i got to cut my eye out? No, he's not being literal here, but he is saying you've got to be radical when it comes to your Christianity, being a member of my kingdom, and you've got to be strict about cutting sin out of your life. And he says if you, or it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than all of your members be cast into the hell fire. And so that sounds to me like legalism, if we're using the first definition, strictness. Let's read Matthew chapter 19 and really pay attention to what Jesus says to the rich young ruler in response to his, uh, what else do I need to do? Pay really close attention here. Jesus says, or or Matthew says, Now behold, one came and said to Jesus, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that's God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And the ruler said to him, which ones? And Jesus says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. So here he gives him six commands, six rules. And these are an exhaustive list of rules. This is just a representation of the law. And the young man said to Jesus, all these things I've kept from my youth. I've done it all. Uh, It sounds like he has perfectly kept the law. He says, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So when, when this man says, I've been keeping the law, Jesus doesn't say, no, that's not good. Stop keeping the law. We're under grace, not under the law anymore. Did you not hear the news? He doesn't say that. He says to him, do six things. And he says, now do a seventh thing. (laughs) I want you to sell all that you have. Again, it sounds like Jesus is being pretty strict here. Is strictness legalism? Well, if it is, then Jesus was a legalist. 
And if works are antithetical to Christianity and to the system of justification by faithfulness, well, then Jesus broke his own rule. And when we continue to read the words of Jesus, he is very strict in his gospel teaching. And the problem with... Um, the problem with many church doctrines and many churches is not that they're being overly strict in and of itself. It, it's, it's very possible that they are teaching works and teaching obedience as if you keep this short list and you'll be justified. As if people start putting trust in their keeping a short list of commands to be justified. Much like this rich young ruler, he had kept a short list of commands, but he hadn't kept all of them. And that, what that does is it puts dependence away from Jesus Christ and away from God and His system of grace and puts it on the commands themselves. The commands themselves are just simply conditions to receive the grace of God. And when you keep those conditions faithfully, which you're not going to keep them perfectly, but when you faithfully return to obedience to God and faithfulness to His precepts, trusting God as, and His grace as the basis that's not legalism. That is justification by grace through faithfulness, not works of merit. But when people start saying that works altogether, works of any kind, are legalistic, they have missed the spirit of the command. When they start saying that keeping the law too strictly or binding it too strictly is missing the spirit of the command, they've missed the spirit. They've missed the whole spirit. When they start saying the Pharisees' problem was they were, they were binding works, they were binding some works that were not of Christ and were of men, yes. But it wasn't that they were being too strict. It's that they weren't being strict enough. They weren't keeping all of the Word of God. They were keeping select portions of it. Well, I don't want to drag this on too much more. This has been a long episode, and it just kind of is by nature has to be. But I do want to end on one more question, and that is, are Church of Christ people legalists? And this question simply needs to be re-asked. The answer is to that question, yes and no. First off, it depends on what definition you're operating under. So when somebody asks that question, are Church of Christ people legalists? Well, what do you mean by legalists? Please tell me so that I can answer your question. And after they've explained it, if, if they mean by that, are Church of Christ people, uh, do they believe in strict keeping the, strictly keeping the commands of God? Yes, and so in that sense, they are legalists. And then I would say that yes and no. It depends on what person you're talking to, because it really, you know, I've heard some Church of Christ members who teach, and, and the things they say sounds very much like the proper definition of legalism, like they are depending on keeping law as their basis of justification. And so it really just depends on what Church of Christ person you're talking to. I don't believe that you can depend on law keeping for your justification. So if you're asking me, no, I don't believe that. Evidence, go back and listen to episode 17. But I do believe that we have to strictly adhere to the Word of God, and when we make a mistake, we fall down to God in repentance, trusting Him and trusting His system of justification by grace to save us. Because you cannot keep His law good enough even to be saved. I hope that makes sense. Um, There's other things I wanted to say. But I just, you know, we've gone a long time, so I'm just going to have to cut it off. Again, I'll put all the links to these videos and sources in the bio of this episode. If you want my notes, I can send you my notes. And if you have any questions further, just ask me. 
I hope that I, this was clear. I hope that it gives you a better sense that people are using this word, and they'll they'll say that legalism is toxic. Using this word legalism without defining what you mean by it, that's toxic. It's the spirit of cancel culture. And if I just don't like what somebody's saying, or I think they're being too strict according to my standard, then I'll just call them a legalist. And, and that'll, that'll cancel them. People don't want to have anything to do with legalism. If they hear that somebody's legalist, they won't, they won't listen to them. Let's just cancel them. Let's call them a legalist. That's toxic. Same thing as calling somebody a Pharisee. Well, because there's such a misconception about what made the Pharisees wrong, that's toxic too. Either stop using the word if you're not going to define it, or, if, or define it. Define what you mean. And don't fall into the new legalism that John MacArthur talked about. Thou shalt not say, thou shalt not. Remember these things. Take them with you. Think about them. Tell me what you think. That might sound like it was cut off prematurely there for a second. It's because I took, originally, this was a YouTube video, and it is on the YouTube channel. Um, and I took the audio clip from that and just kind of ripped it and put it into this podcast episode. Uh, so that's why it was kind of leading into the outro music. But anyway, before I'm officially done with this episode, I did want to bring attention to the YouTube video where this main dish segment is located. Go on the 5-Minute Bible Study YouTube page, and then there's just a video, What is Legalism? I kind of released that early last week just because I felt like it. I don't know why. And anyways, on that video, I try to make it a little bit easier for you to follow the four different definitions that people give for the word legalism. And so as the video goes along, I'll put a category with a box that stays up on the video for pretty much the entire episode so that you can see whenever... I'm referencing a certain definition like somebody defines it as strictness. Well, that box, that category is on the screen so you can keep it and stay on track with me. It's a lot easier to follow, I think, with those visual aids. So that's just maybe if you need a freshen up and you want to hear this again, maybe just go watch the video this time and you'll have those visual aids and that'll be another element to help you learn better. And if you don't feel like you need the visual aids, well, then go check out the YouTube channel anyway. Just do it. Okay, that's all. Hope you enjoyed this lesson. As always, if you have questions, let me know. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this discussion about legalism. Hit me up next time on the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. <laughs>